Hey everybody, it's David. Welcome to the Believer Center Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free Believer Center app where you can access all our recent message content. It's the easiest way for you to share all of this content with a friend and keep up with everything going on around here at Believer Center. But most importantly, we hope this week's message helps you as we follow Jesus together. Enjoy. All right. So I, I uh, you know, a few weeks ago I was... Uh, helping us prepare for offering. And I shared a few verses from uh, 2 Corinthians. And the word sincere, uh, word sincerity, actually just, you know, you, you probably happen to use sometimes when you're studying. Uh, just a certain word begins to um, put you on a path of study and a path of prayer. And that's what happened with me uh, with this word sincerity. Like you, I've read it many, many different times, but it just impacted me. And as I've continued to pursue it, it's in, impacted me that much, that much more. You know, uh, John's version of the Christmas story is in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. All things were made by God. Without him, nothing was made that was made goes on to say that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Some translation says the Word moved into our neighborhoods. And we beheld His glory, speaking of Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. I believe that Christmas story is signed uh, with the words, Sincerely yours. Sincerely yours. And the more I've studied on that, the greater impact it's had on me, that this Bible is signed by someone sincerely yours to us. The word sincere in the Scripture is a very powerful word. In fact, we will only live, we will live a non-impact Christian life if we don't live it sincerely. Does that make sense to you? Uh, maybe you don't know or have a clear understanding of what the word sincere uh, is, but let me just give you one to think on at least, and it's only one. But it actually, as I've meditated on it this past few weeks, it is a life that is not well-intended, but a life that is well-practiced. Not Sincerity is not being well-intended. Sincerity is being well-practiced. It's following through with what you intended to do. There's really no great impact that happens with good intentions. It's a good start. But there's no great impact that occurs until good intentions take on good action and we have follow-through with what we intended to do. And that's what Paul was saying to the church at Corinth because they had heard about this offering that was going to be taken up and distributed uh, to the poor believers in Jerusalem. And they got excited about it. They wanted to be a part of it. The Corinthian church did, but they had not yet followed through. And I want to read those verses with you, have you look at them with me today. I'm using the Amplified Bible for all the verses that I'll share with you from the Word. But 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 7, Paul writing says, Now as you abound and excel and are at the front in everything in faith and expressing yourselves in knowledge, in all zeal and in your love for us, see to it that you come to the front now and abound and excel in this gracious work of almsgiving also. 
Verse 8 says, I give this not as an order to dictate to you, but to prove by pointing out the zeal of others, the sincerity of your own love also. I think I made this statement, well, I know I did, that every opportunity to give or be generous is a test of the sincerity of our love. If we say we love and the opportunity presents itself to be generous, it's a test. Are we sincere in our love? Are we insincere in our love? 2 Corinthians 8, 9 goes on to say this, referring to Jesus, for you are becoming progressively acquainted with and recognizing more strongly and clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, His kindness, His gracious generosity, His undeserved favor and spiritual blessing, and that though He was so very rich, yet for your sakes He became so very poor, in order that by his poverty you might become enriched or abundantly supplied. Uh, if you look up the path of this word, the genealogy really of this word, sincere, in one place in the Latin it comes from two Latin words, sine and sera. And what it literally means is without wax. Say that, without wax. What does that mean? Well, it came to be in uh, uh, in the marketplace, especially where pottery was concerned, that if a piece of pottery had any kind of crack in it or any kind of mark in it, uh, of course, it would lose its value. So what the vendors would do is they would come along and they would fill all the imperfections with melted wax. Okay, And so its appearance was more than its real appearance, and so its value was more than what it would have been worth otherwise. Okay. So the word sincere came to mean without wax. Okay. In other words, it referred to pottery that was not marred. It referred to pottery, pottery that had no imperfections. It referred to real perfection. We might use the term uh, organic today or 100% pure. So that's what the word sincere means. It means without Wax, it means without fake. Because over time, the wax would wear out or melt away and the imperfections would be revealed again. God wants and is working in us by the Holy Spirit the kind of life that is 100% pure. We're not there. We're imperfect. But can I say this to you about our imperfection? God didn't intend for you to use that as an excuse not to grow. I hear that all the time. Well, nobody's perfect. Well, that's fine. You're right. I mean, you state the obvious, get in line, okay? But God didn't intend for us to use that as an excuse to just not grow or to give in to sin. I heard a man, I talked to a man on the phone this past week. It's a very sad story. It really weighs on me today as I take, take the platform because within a year this marriage between this man and this woman, who I know, I know both of them. I know the woman much better than I know the man. I've known her for years. But within a year, their marriage is at the place of absolutely falling apart because of immorality and other things. And I had a long talk with the man on the phone the other day. And I was saddened to hear in his voice this attitude of, well, you know, all men mess up. All men are immoral. All men have fallen into fornication 
or adultery at some point in their life. Now, what if he's right? I don't think that's correct. But let's just say this. Let's say, what if he's right? Is that an excuse to go on living that way? You know, and he said he loved his wife with all of his heart, without reservation. And yet when it was tested, it was proven to be insincere. Insincerity has no impact. Sincerity does. Can I have a good amen? And so God wants to work that in us. All of us have been the, the victim of, uh, you know, I, I, again, I, I, I'm so grateful today for the life I have and the people that love me sincerely, certainly a God who loves me sincerely without reservation. But like you, I've, I've had people love me insincerely over the years, and I've suffered like you. I've suffered those wounds, and I've had to deal with them. I can remember back when we were on at the Lomas Address, 4800 Lomas, we were there for so many years, and I used to walk out. Um, everything was on the same level, and I would walk out through a door on the side here, and I would walk past usually my staff seated on the front row there, and then ushers that were seated uh, close uh, there on the second row, and then, of course, other places uh, in the church. And I walked out one morning. I walked out, and I was saying hello to everybody and greeting them as worship was going on. And I had an usher step up to me. He tapped me on the shoulder. I turned to look at him, and he said, Pastor, I want you to just to know how much I love you and how much I appreciate you, and I'm here to stay. And, of course, that makes you rejoice. And I thanked him. I thought, Awesome. He was gone the next week. Another church had started in our city, and he felt led by the Lord to go and help that man build a great church. Well, I just think that that kind of love and statement is just insincere. If you're going to say something, if I'm going to say something, with God's help and grace, we don't want to fail at sincerity. We want to have the impact that sincerity has. Amen? When uh, you ask someone how they are, you know, do it sincerely. Don't, when they start to answer, look somewhere else over their shoulder or be distracted by something else. Pastor, again, that's just human. It is. No argument there. But don't use it as an excuse. You know why? Because Paul said in Romans chapter 12 and verse 9, he said, let your love be without dissimulation. In other words, let your love be real. Let it be sincere. Let it be genuine. Well, God, Pastor, I don't know. I, I just may not be able to say anything then. Well, no, don't overreact the other way. Just be more thoughtful. And if you're going to say it, if you're going to say that being in church is important, then when you can get here, you better get here. Because you're living a nominal, no-impact life. Okay? If you, if you say church is important to me, then you want to live that way. Amen? If you're saying your wife is important to you, hey, guys, you know this. But you're going to have to step up to the plate and do more than just say it. You're going to have to be in her life. <laughs> yeah. I thought I'd get more amens from a woman, not a man, but thank you for that. This is hard to talk about, but I just, I'm so impressed because we're going to talk about the sincerity of God's love in just a minute. 
and how powerful and life-changing and transforming it is. But Hey, guys, come on. You have to step up and get in her life, really care about what she's going through, think about what she really might want for Christmas instead of another gift card. You know, she probably doesn't want another vacuum cleaner unless she's asked for it. You know? Hey, ladies, the same is true about these guys. Come on, socks. Yeah. Underwear? How about a bass boat? Come on, guys. Now, that's, that was your time to amen, and you absolutely blew it. Whatever. You know, do you know what's in his heart? Do you know what, I mean, really what he might like? I just think that our marriages could grow, our friendships could grow, our church family could grow and have such a great, greater impact if we say we love the poor, that we actually love the poor. And if we, if we care for the hungry, that we actually continue to do something to prove the sincerity of what we say. If we love the Word of God, we're going to do more than just wait for Sunday to see scriptures on the screens. We're going to have our own Bible study program. We're going to have our own way of getting into study. We're going to bring our pens and paper, and we're going to uh, apply ourselves. If we really love the Word of God sincerely, that's what we're going to do, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Are you too mad at me to hear the rest of what i got to say? Is it making good sense to you, though? I love it when people are sincere. And I can bear them being sincerely wrong because they're sincere. But insincerity, being twin-faced, being two-faced on purpose, that's hard to bear. To have the heart engaged is an incredibly powerful place to be. You want to change your life? Then be sincere. Live a well-practiced life. Amen? When it comes to the sincerity of, of the love of Jesus, this is really the heart of the message here, is, is that, you know, there can be no doubt. I'm not sure what, what we expect Jesus to do more of than laying down his life to prove the sincerity of his love for us. That is the Christmas story. It's about a sincere God who had a sincere love for mankind who had no love for him. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for the ungodly. It's not the good to get to go to heaven. It's the redeemed that get to go to heaven. Amen? It's those who have given their life to Jesus. None of us could ever measure up. And God gave his love to us. We believed in that. We're changed by that. Our lives are changed by that, continue to be changed by that, and one day we'll be with Him in all eternity. But doubt falls silent. All the voices of doubt and fear and unbelief and threat go silent when we choose to focus on the sincerity of the love of God for us. Amen? He proved it by coming the first time. This Advent that we celebrate this time of year as Christians, He... He proved by, it's another promise kept, church family. God said he would do it, and guess what he did? He absolutely did. 
And so the Advent, the Christmas story, however you want to refer to it, is another promise kept by God. Since another test passed of sincere love, for sincere love. And so he, the way he lived his life, he kept himself from sin, that's sincere love at work. He had to resist sin, the Bible says. You know this, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. He was tempted in every way that we are yet without sin. He learned to hate sin before it ever could take hold. And the reason he had such power to resist sin was not because he was God come in the flesh. It was because he loved Father God so much and loved others so much. He wouldn't give in to the selfishness of sin, which is the nature of all sin is self-centeredness. Isn't that right? You know what? When you and I, as you and I love more perfectly and sincerely, sin will be put more and more under our feet. It won't occupy the place that it has here. It'll be put under our feet because we love more. We can hate sin more. Jesus, of course, showed sincere love at his sacrifice on the cross. But did you know it didn't stop there? He's still at the right hand of the heavenly father right now. You know what he's doing? He's praying as our high priest. He is interceding and he is praying for us right now that we will experience the salvation he provided for us to the uttermost. In other words, that we would receive the fullness of our redemption. He's praying that right now. Let me show it to you from the word beginning with Hebrews 7. 24, but he holds his priesthood unchangeably because he lives forever. Therefore, he is able also to save to the uttermost, completely, perfectly, finally, and for all time and eternity, those who come to God through him. Since he is always, everybody say always, since he is always living to make petition to God and intercede with him and intervene for them. Uh, you know, I, I confess, apart from the Holy Spirit, I'm only capable of sincere love moment by moment. The more I give myself to the Holy Spirit, the more you give yourself to the Holy Spirit and the grace he provides, the more capable we are of genuinely loving one another with a life-changing kind of love. Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who's unable to understand and sympathize, have a shared feeling with our weaknesses, our infirmities and liability to the assaults of temptation, but one who has been tempted in every respect as we are yet without sinning. Verse 16 says, Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures, find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help, well-timed help, coming just when we need it. I don't know where you are in your heart today or where you are, those of you who are watching us online today, but you got to know wherever you are that there's someone pulling for you whose name is Jesus. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly what you're up against. And he has empathy for you. He feels what you feel. And he's made himself, continues to make himself. I, I just get chills when I say this because I feel like there are people right now at the end of their life 
and you want to end your life because you come to this conclusion, and it's a wrong one, that nobody loves you. Jesus does. Maybe your circle of friends have given up on you, but maybe you need to make a new friend in Jesus today because He won't give up on you. Amen. He'll be for you. You'll never have to doubt it. Why? Because His love is sincere. His love doesn't change for us. Amen. The Bible says He's right there for us. And what we need to do when we're feeling all that, and we do feel it, you know, you can be lonely in a crowd. Being lonely is not all about being by yourself. You can feel lonely in your house with your husband, with your wife, with your children surrounding you. You can feel lonely at a party, even where you're the special guest. You can feel alone in a church. You can feel alone in a crowd, a stadium. Okay, I felt real alone at Dallas Cowboy games and real defeated. But you know what? In all of those moments, there's one thing. I know it's simple, but hear it. I just, you got to hear it. Is that God is sincerely yours. Song of Solomon in our Bibles. In fact, we used to sing this. The charismatic movement was real strong. We used to sing this. I'm my beloved's and he is mine. His banner over me is love. But in the Song of Solomon, it just says that I'm his He's my beloved, and I am His. He's mine, and I'm His. Amen? Jesus is sincerely yours today because He has given Himself to you without reservation. Amen. No one's been more generous, provided more substantial evidence of His love toward uh, mankind than the Father in Jesus Christ. No one. Paul would actually be at a loss of words when he wrote to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians 9, 15, he says, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. The Passion Translation says this, praise God for his astonishing gift, which is far too great for words. I just think his words, like my words sometimes, fail me. I knew Cindy's love for Jesus was real sincere, and she knew Jesus' love for her was real sincere. Uh, when I was really dating her, before I got uh, the privilege of being her husband, I went over to her house, and we were alone in the house that particular evening. Her parents were somewhere, and um, she said, do you want something to drink? And I said, yeah, and I'm not thinking alcohol, and she wasn't either. She, she got up, and she went to the kitchen. I sat in uh, in the little living room there on the couch for a little while. And she was taking her time, so I decided I'd go and check on her, see what was going on. Walked into the kitchen. She had Dr. Pepper on the counter, which God actually does drink. <laughs> Ten, two, and four. So anyway, she's, Cindy's there, and she's got the Dr. Pepper out. There's only two of us in the house, but she's got three glasses out on the counter with ice. And I'm looking at that, and she's laughing at herself. She's got her head down, kind of laughing to herself. And I'm looking at that, and I'm saying, what? Who's the third glass? Is someone here that I don't know about? And she looked at me, and she said, I was just thinking about Jesus being here 
with us. That that was life-changing for me. That impacted my life in such a positive way, knowing that another human being could be that close to Christ and wanted to be that close to Christ really impacted me. Church, can I say something to all of us today? Because I know we can all grow in this. But if we really want to reach our community, we've got to stop pretending, if we are, that we really love Jesus. We've got to stop putting on when we're with the other, others in the crowd. We've got to live honestly before God and before them. It'll impact their life. Cindy and I, you know, far from perfect, but early in our marriage, we were still discovering our relationship with Jesus. And, and I think it's fair to say we were falling more and more in love with Him. And just, we weren't trying to impress anyone. We still don't do what we did to, try to impress anyone. But one day, we, a knock came on our apartment door, and we opened the door, and it was Cindy's sister, Carol, her younger sister. And we're all in our 20s, early 20s. She knocks on the door, and she just she has tears in her eyes. We thought something uh, horrible had happened. We invited her in, ha- invited her to sit down, and we sat in our chairs. And at one point, she just, still crying, came over, and she sat on the arm of the chair I was sitting in. And we said, Carol, what's going on? What, what, what can we do to help you? And you know what she said to us? She said, I want to love Jesus the way I see you loving Jesus. And we're completely taken back by that, humbled by that. Because we're not thinking, I'm going to love Jesus so that everybody sees it. We're just loving Christ, and it's sincere. And it had an impact on her sister that day. Is your sincere love, or is your love sincere enough to impact someone who's seeking God or not seeking God? I think it's a great opportunity for us to love God so much and so deep and with all of our heart that men truly are impacted by how we're living our life. Do you agree with that today? I mean, when you think about Jesus' outlook on life, and people were asking him about life, his own disciples, about what's important, how should I live my life, he really boiled it down to a couple of things. He, he said, love God sincerely with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, everything that's within you, and love other people sincerely. So how we live our life could be boiled down to just how we love. How we love God and how we love one another. I think it's a great time of year to remember this. Any time of year would be a great time to remember this. Can I have an amen, church? But right now, especially this time of year, we're looking at the greatest gift ever given by the God of the universe in the person of Jesus Christ. I think it's one of the, my favorite things during this time of season is a bow. You know, some people like snowmen, some people like Santa Claus, some people like holly, some people like Rees. I really like a bow because it speaks to me of gift giving.
And Jesus came, sincerely ours. The Father gave him to us. I'll close with these verses today. Romans chapter 8, we sang just being led uh, in this just earlier today. But man, just reading through these verses today, if this doesn't get you excited, I want to lay hands and pray. I actually want to lay hands. I'll, I'll break the rules today and lay hands on you to be raised from the dead. If this doesn't get you excited as we read through this, I don't, I don't know how, even if you're going through hell, keep going by the way, but even if you're going through it, don't stop. Don't build church. Don't stop. Keep going. If you're going through hell, just keep going. Amen. Keep going. Don't quit. Don't stop. All right? That's not where you're supposed to be. There's the other side. And God wants to get you through it and on the other side. Amen. Whatever your sorrow, whatever your trouble. I've spoken to people the last two weeks. One has lost a mom. One lost a husband. A marriage on the rocks. By two Christians who profess to both know Christ and love Him deeply. I can look at your faces and I've talked to some of you about some of the sorrows that you've had this year, some of the great loss you've experienced uh, this year. Think about, you know, Shirley, our Chunde. Of course, she's in heaven. She's happy. I'm not always happy she's there, but that's where she's at. Whatever it is you're facing, whatever it is you're going through, God wants you to hope, like Pastor David talked about last week. He wants to He wants your faith. He wants you looking to Him. He wants your eyes. Uh, He is the glory and the lifter of your head. If your head is down, He wants to lift you. He wants to lift your head. Listen to this as we read through this together, and then I'm going to close, uh, which might take me another hour. I'm just, just kidding. I just want to see if you're still listening to him. Romans 8, 31. Let's start there. You ready, church? What then shall we say to all this? All this what? He's actually referring to the, his, uh, our infirmities, not always knowing how to pray as we ought. He's talking about how we groan to experience the redemption that Jesus paid for us. There's a sort of, certain amount of suffering in that as well. He's, he's referring to persecution that he's experienced, the horrible things people have said about him and other Christians, etc., etc. He says, what shall we say to all this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? And you know what? God is on your side. He is sincerely yours today. He has given himself to you. Verse 32, he who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect when it is God who justifies, that is, who puts us in right relationship to himself? Who shall come forward and accuse or impeach those whom God has chosen? Will God, who acquits us? Who is there to condemn us? Will Christ Jesus, the Messiah, who died or rather who was raised from the dead, who's at the right hand of God, actually pleading as he intercedes for us? Who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? Shall suffering, affliction, tribulation, calamity, distress, shall persecution or hunger 
or destitution or peril or sword, even as it's written, for thy sake we are put to death all the day long. We're regarded and counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet amid all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through him who has loved us and loved us with all sincerity. For I am persuaded beyond doubt and sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor impending and threatening nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, the sincere love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Come on. Can somebody shout? Can somebody thank God? in an ever-changing world, ever-changing situation for a sincere love from the Christ himself. You're never out of his eye. He's always beholding. He's right there with you. And he's walking through whatever you're walking through. He's walking through it with you. He's got an answer for you. He's got his own power that he'll supply with you. You can make it when other people sadly won't because you've looked to him in your time of need. You've got to be comforted today. In fact, you know the Bible talks about how this sincere love will cast out fear. It'll cast it out. Fear can't stand in the face of sincere love. I've shown sincere love for my uh, children, my daughters when they were growing up, when they were really afraid. And I've watched fear just be lifted off of them. I know you've seen that with Gracie. We have two. I know you have two with your children. When you sincerely put your arms around them and you held them tight, the fear that they were experiencing had to leave them. It had to be lifted from them. I'll just close with this. There's actually a word that refers to those of us who are sincerely loved by God in the Scripture. And it is the word beloved. Say it. Beloved. Say it again. Beloved, agapetos is the word in the Greek. It comes from the Greek word for love, agape. And, it's, and, and it refers to those of us who have become the object of God's sincere, sincere love. And John writes a couple of things in his epistles. We won't look at them this morning, but he, he writes a couple of things there to the beloved. And I encourage you to go maybe over the next few days Take those letters that John wrote and begin to find the word beloved and and just see what he has to say to you and for you in that. Because there's a a couple of things that he says. He says, beloved, I want you to know uh, and behold this love that God has bestowed upon us. It doesn't yet appear what we shall be. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. It starts with beloved. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. It doesn't yet appear what we shall be. Did you know there's something better coming than that? Can't imagine it. It doesn't appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. In other words, John wants us to know as the beloved that today we are the sons of God, that today we have a place with God. And and here's what I want to really close with, is this, that the word beloved, the first time it appears in Scripture, is And it's the same word, the same Greek word, is when Jesus has been baptized and he's brought out of the water. And heavens, the heavens open, a voice is heard from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And if you're like me, you're sitting there going, that's easy to 
I mean, it's easy to understand that God the Father would say that about someone like Jesus, sinless perfection, never lived a day that without loving the Father God with all his heart, you know. It's easy to see how Jesus could be referred to as beloved. But it's not a different word in the Greek language for you. It's the same exact word. That should elevate in your thinking. That should bring you up if you're down today. That God loves you and sees you the same way that He sees His Son, Jesus Christ. You are as beloved to Him as Jesus Christ is beloved to Him. I don't know why you're not clapping your hands and thanking God today for that. I don't, just think about it with me. Because the devil is a liar and he's always going to come with a lie. He's always going to push you to qualifying and trying to justify yourself and excusing yourself and, and living a life that far below what God has provided for you, desires for you. And a lot of it's going to come through condemnation. The word condemn means to declare unfit for use. That's Satan declares you unfit for use. God, by the Holy Spirit, declares you his beloved. I'm my beloved, and he is mine. Would you say that with me? I'm my beloved, and he is mine. Would you stand to your feet with me today? If you happen to be hearing this today, and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, the door's wide open. Jesus opened it. It's not closed yet. It will close one day, but it's not closed yet. And if you're watching online today or you're here in service today, thank you, by the way, for being in church today, braving whatever you had to brave, making whatever tough choices you needed to make to be here and worship with us live and in person. God sees it. We see it. We're so thankful for each and every one of you. Honest to God. We're thankful for you. But God sees it too. And I believe God rewards that sort of thing. He sees you uh, not taking the easy way. He sees you loving Him sincerely. And, and it ministers to Him. And I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray that, that we would all grow in the sincerity of our love toward God and toward one another. Because John would go on to say, Beloved, he said, Because you've been so loved by God, you ought also to love other people and to love one another. Amen. And so we can give ourselves to that. You'll let me pray for you like that, right? And you'll agree for that today. Would you bow your heads with me? If you don't know Christ, this is an opportunity for you to receive him. If you do, it's a time to be strengthened in his love and especially in this season. God, we thank you today for the sincerity, the pureness, the pureness of the love that you have for us that you showed in sending Jesus. We celebrate that. But the life that he lived, we celebrate that because he kept himself from sin, because he loved us. He went to a horrible death because he sincerely loved us. If people were listening with their heart that day, he was stretched out, viewed as a common criminal by so many in the multitudes, even some of those who he had helped, who he had fed, who he had healed, who he had delivered, they'd forgotten his goodness, nowhere to be found. But if 
if, if people could have hurt his heart as he hung on the cross, they would have hurt, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But they would have heard, I am sincerely yours. I sincerely love you with all of my heart. And today, God, we are celebrating that Jesus is still loving us. There's never a moment that we face, regardless of what our emotions say or our voices say, the liar himself says that we're not loved. We are. Because you say we are. Help us, God, today to have a, a heart that will receive that and no longer give way, give place to uh, that kind of thinking or to give ourselves to an insincere form of love that we call real love. Help us to back away from all of that and release that. And we're asking today, God, for the, a strengthening that only the Holy Spirit can really bring into our lives when it comes to, to the sincerity of our love for you, God, for you, Jesus, for you, Holy Spirit, and the things of God, and for one another and for our hurting world. Lord Jesus, take us to a fresh place. Take us to a new place. Take us to a higher place. And not just our ability to love people sincerely, but in our willingness to do that and in our commitment to do it. And we thank you today, every one of us in the house today, and those watching online who are praying with us. Right now, we're thanking you, God, by faith for this inner working of the Holy Spirit and for a, a new supply, a fresh supply of your grace to get past all the insincerity and all the fake and the hypocrisy and, Father, to a place of purity and a place of truly loving you and loving others sincerely. We thank you for that today. We are helpless to do it on our own. But we thank you, God, we're not on our own. And that we can draw today from your strength, your power, your ability, and your wisdom. We pray for it today and receive it today. Believe that marriages are saved. Friendships are saved. The church is saved. Society is saved by the sincerity and the sincere expression of your love. In Jesus, your powerful, powerful name we pray. Amen.